All right, good morning. Welcome to Grace Church this morning. My name is Justin Ross. I'm lead pastor here at Grace Church, and you couldn't have picked a better Sunday to be here at Grace. Uh, We are celebrating some people getting baptized this morning. We had some people baptized in the first service, and uh, last Sunday we had 10 people get baptized in the river, which is really awesome. And... uh, we're actually also using you as a, a little bit of an experiment. So you're guinea pigs this morning. We actually videoed, um, we had uh, some young people get baptized from camp uh, in the first service, and we're going to try to show you that video. So there's people right now, as I'm talking, trying to put a little video together so that you can see the baptisms that took place in the first service. So I think that'll be kind of fun. But we are celebrating life change, and that's what we are all about here at Grace Church. We are all about seeing people transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ and seeing their lives changed. That is the vision of this church. We are imperfect people and we are trying to leverage everything. Leverage all the gifts that God has given us, the talents that He has given us, our abilities, our resources. We're trying to leverage everything for those who are far from Jesus. We want to see people far from Jesus come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's what we're all about and it's happening People are stepping over the line of faith. They are asking God to be their Lord, to be the boss of their life, to be the CEO of their life. They're asking Jesus to be their God, and that's, that's super exciting. That's what we're all about as a church. I want to remind you of a, of a couple things that we have been talking about in this series of uh, Colossians. We are in part two today of Colossians. Colossians is a letter that the Apostle Paul and his ministry partner Timothy wrote to a uh, church that was in the city of Colossae. It was a New Testament city. And they wrote this letter because these people in this New Testament city were getting off track a little bit. They were forgetting that it's all about Jesus Christ. And they were starting to veer off and, and they were adding things to the Gospel. And we, we were reminded last week that we shouldn't add anything to the Gospel. We shouldn't take anything away. It's all about Jesus Christ. But last week we talked about the reality that some of us, we asked this question, and it's a fundamental question I think all of us have asked, and it's a very important question, and that question is, does my life matter? We talked last week about on this planet, there's there's over 7 billion people. You know, we can feel so insignificant, so tiny, so small, and, and we come to that place where we say, does my life matter? We also talked about how there's thousands of stars, you know, that we can see right above us, but when you go beyond those stars and the cosmos around us, there are hundreds of billions of stars. And we can feel so insignificant, and we can say, does my life matter? And the Apostle Paul answered that question, he said, yes, and heck yes, your life matters, because God created you. He personally designed you. He imagined you. The Scripture tells us that God knit you together in your mother's womb. You matter because God took a personal interest in you. He personally designed you. He personally created you. And then that led to another question that many people ask, and that is, okay, if I'm worth something and I, I matter, then why am I here? Like, why do I exist? Why do I even, why am I on this planet? And Paul answered that question as well. And he said, you are here for Him. You are here to bring God glory. You are here for Jesus Christ. And this is what is so so crazy. 
it's, 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 it's hard to fathom. And that is the reality that our lives through Jesus Christ can bring God glory. God can actually be impressed with our lives. He can say, wow, look at the faith of that individual. That's hard to fathom. It's hard to understand. But we are here to bring Him glory by the way that we live, by the way that we interact with one another, by the way that we love one another. So does my life matter? Yes, because God created you. Why am I here? For Him. For His glory. We also have been giving you some challenges throughout the past couple series, and I just wanted to remind you of those quickly. Um, In our family series, The Ideal Family, we encouraged you to, to... as individuals, as a family, to come up with your family core values. What, what is it that really drives your family forward? And uh, we wanted you to visibly display those somehow in your house. And, and I wanted to remind you of that. Also, in our strap series, we talked about getting out of debt. And we imagined the day when every individual in Grace Church, every family was completely debt-free. That would be amazing. That would be um, really incredible. And then, in this series... Uh, Colossians, the challenge was to read the letter of Colossians that the Apostle Paul and Timothy wrote, to read it every week throughout this series. And the whole idea behind that is I, I don't want you to just take my word for it. I want you to be in God's word. I want you to know for yourself that what is being spoken here is, is the truth. And so we want to encourage you to read the letter of Colossians every week. So that would be four times throughout this series. Um, gosh, it has been... A fun past couple of weeks, we sent a group um, to kids' camp, um, and we sent a group to uh, uh, middle school and high school camp, and uh, we had some of those uh, students get baptized this morning. We're going to have a couple of girls from our kids' camp get baptized in this service, and so we're going to have a lot of fun this morning. Um, but those individuals have made the decision to cross the line of faith. They've made the decision to ask Jesus to be the boss of their life, to be the CEO, to be God in their lives. And I just wanted to ask you, as we get started this morning, can you remember the moment when you personally asked Jesus to be your God, to save you? Can you think back and remember that moment? And it it was a moment that, you know, you weren't deciding because... You wanted to please your parents. You weren't making the decision because all your friends around you were doing it. You know, you weren't making that decision for any other reason than the fact that you personally wanted to follow Jesus Christ. You personally believed that He lived and that He died and that He rose again. Can you remember that moment? Some of us here this morning maybe have never had that moment, and that's okay. We welcome you. We're so glad you're here. We want you to continue to explore the things of God, the things of Jesus, and we're trusting that through His Word, He's going to reveal Himself to you. He's going to make Himself known to you. But can you think back and remember that moment, that specific moment when you made the decision to follow Christ? You see, the reason I say this is because a lot of people get caught up in some misunderstanding. A lot of people think that they're good with God because their family was religious. They say, man, I'm good with God because my grandparents were good with God. I'm good with God because we went to church every Sunday. I'm good with God because of my family background. Some other people also will think, man, I'm good with God because I'm a good person. 
Like, I haven't really done that many things wrong. You know, I haven't killed anybody. I haven't robbed a bank. I'm a pretty nice individual. So I think I'm okay with God. You see, the Scripture doesn't teach that. The Scripture says that you were actually separated from God for the simple fact that you're a human. Because you were born with a sinful nature that was passed on to you from your parents. It was passed on to them from their parents and so on and so forth. You were born with the sinful nature that separated you from God. You see, nobody had to teach you how to lie, how to steal, you know, how to be rude. Like that just came naturally because of our human nature. The Bible teaches that you were separated from God because you're a human. And the only way to be reconciled, to be made right with a holy, righteous, just God is through Jesus Christ. That's the only way to be made right. It's not because of your family history. It's not because you're a good person. It's not because of any of those things. The only way is through Jesus Christ. Now this morning, many of us here, I'm assuming, you know, we're in church. I think many of us have taken that step. We have made that decision to cross the line of faith and we have committed to follow Jesus Christ. And this morning, what Paul and Timothy answer is, what now? What do we do after we have taken that step? What do we do after we have made the decision to follow Jesus Christ? And so they're going to answer that this morning. I was 13 years old when I made the decision personally to follow Jesus Christ. I can remember it like it was yesterday. I was at Hesperus Camp. Um, we have a lot of individuals that work at Hesperus Camp even now. But I was at Hesperus Camp, and the speaker was talking about heaven and hell. And it was like he had personally dialed God and ordered up some natural special effects. Because as he was talking about heaven and hell, it was thundering and lightning outside. All right? So as you can imagine, it was like I was on the edge of my seat soaking in every word. But after the message, I went to my dad. My dad was um, up at camp. He was um, a pastor. And he was there um, at the camp. And I went to my dad and I said, Dad, I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want Jesus to be my God. And I can take you to the big old tree where my dad led me to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And I made the decision personally to follow him, to give my life to him. It wasn't for my dad. It wasn't because of my family background. It was my decision to follow Jesus Christ. And Jesus transformed me, and He changed me. As a 13-year-old boy, I gave my life to Jesus. Do you remember that moment? Do you remember the moment that you came to faith? The moment you made the decision to follow Jesus Christ, to place your life in the hands of God and allow Him to do with your life whatever He will? Do you remember that moment? That through a decision of faith, you were transferred Okay, this is what happened when you make that decision to follow Jesus. You're transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son, Jesus Christ. That's what happens through a decision of faith to follow Jesus Christ. And if all of that is real, if all of that is real and your life has been changed, then what does it look like to live out your faith? What does it look like from that point on to follow Jesus Christ? When we live out that reality that we've been changed, that we've been transformed, that we've been saved, 
by the power of God. We're going to start to see that in this section of Scripture that we're going to cover today in Colossians. Specifically, what I'm going to do today is I'm going to give you five different encouragements. So I want to encourage you to take notes. We're reading the most important letter that was ever written in the history of mankind. So I want to encourage you to take some notes. This is important stuff. Five encouragements that Paul and Timothy give us today um, to help us live out this new faith. And if you're here this morning and you've never made that decision, I just want to say again, man, we welcome you. We love you. If you're still searching, that's okay. We want, to, we want to encourage you to continue to search, to search out the things of God. We trust that God's going to reveal himself to you. We welcome you. We love you. And through the message today, you're going to be able to see what could be true for you if you too made the decision to follow Jesus Christ. So the first encouragement this morning that we're going to see from Paul and Timothy is this. Number one, they say, just as you accepted, okay, just as you accepted Christ, continue to follow Christ. And this is going to make more sense as we read verse 6. Colossians chapter 2, in verse 6, and it says this, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow Him. Okay, this, this verse is so incredible. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time. Maybe you're a new Christian and you've never really thought about this. But, but this is what Paul is saying. Catch this. Just as you accepted Jesus. So how do we accept Jesus? He tells us in another letter that he wrote to the people in Ephesus. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, he says it's by grace, through faith, not of works, so no one can boast about it. So you accepted Jesus by grace. You didn't deserve it. So it's by grace and it's through faith that you accepted Jesus. And so Paul is saying the same way that you accepted Jesus, that's the same way that you live out this new faith. So how do you live out this new faith in Jesus? By grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. That's how you walk out this faith. So we don't get salvation through our works. It was paid for by Jesus. He did all of the work for it. So we don't get to Christ through our good deeds. So you know nobody can boast about it. And Paul is telling us right here that we're also not going to walk in Christ by our works so that we can boast about it. It's not in our own strength. See, see what happens is sometimes people, they, they cross the line of faith. If you didn't catch that, I'm pretending like there's a line of faith there, okay? So they cross this line of faith, and then they think, okay, like, God helped me to cross the line of faith, and then God's going to go help other people, and now I'm kind of on my own, you know, to walk this newfound faith out, and I have to be good, and I have to do everything right, and, and oh my gosh, there's all these rules and stuff, and so, you know, that's a lot of pressure. And what Paul is saying is, it was only through the power of Jesus that you were able to cross that line. And it's only through the power of Jesus that you're going to be able to live out that newfound faith. You have to walk out your new faith by grace through faith. You don't have the ability to live righteously. You don't have the ability. You're not good enough. You can't do it. Even after you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you don't have the ability. It's only by grace through faith that you can walk out this newfound faith. So we walk in Him today the same way that we received Him the first day, which was by grace through faith. 
Now listen, there, there is a walking involved. And, and we're going to see that in the next text here. There is a living, there is obedience, there is following Jesus Christ. But you have to understand that the power is not in us. We don't have the power. The power is Christ in us. Is Christ through us. So when we get up in the morning, we shouldn't think, okay, Jesus, you, you did all the work to get me here. Now I have to do all the work to make it happen. Okay, that's, that's not the way we, sh- we should think. We should think, Jesus, you did all the work to get me here. And Jesus, you're going to have to continue to do the work to get me through the day. Because I need you so desperately, Jesus. I need you to help me through this day. We don't have the power in and of ourselves to follow through on this brand new life that we have in Christ. And we don't have to because Christ is offering the grace you need today to follow Him and to obey Him in everything that He's calling you to do. So as we're following, as we're obeying, we continue to say to Him, God, give me the grace. God, give me the faith to believe that in me, you're going to supply the power I need to be the person that you want me to be. Like God, it's only through you. You're going to give me the power. You're going to give me the strength. And we... We see that, hap- you know, what, that, that's happen, that happens in the next line. <clears throat> the second encouragement from Paul and Timothy is this. Number two, you need to be rooted in Him. You need to have your roots deep in Jesus Christ. Look at verse 7. Let your roots grow down into Him and let your lives be built on Him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. You see, it's, it's not about what's on the surface. I mean, we live in the Instagram, you know, social media world, and, and what, what happens in this world that we live in today is we say, here is my best life on my best day with the best filter, right? I mean, we present ourselves on Facebook and Instagram and social media. This is, this is the best me. It's all surfacey. But that's not what spiritual growth or spiritual maturity looks like. Spiritual growth, spiritual maturity is what's down deep. It's what's under the surface. It's what's real. It's what's under the surface that matters. It's that hidden time in the Word of God. It's it's what we're doing right now. As I preach the Word of God, you're, you're growing your roots down deep into the things of God. It's putting roots into the person of Christ, into the work of God, the love of God, so that up from those roots comes this sustaining grace, this sustaining life in Jesus Christ that that powers us through the day, that helps you get through the day because you have your roots deep in the person of Jesus Christ. And that's what should happen after you've put your faith, okay? After you've crossed that line of faith, you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you start growing. You start putting your roots down deep. You start spending time with Him in His Word. You start learning how to pray. You start hanging out with His people more often. You get your roots deep into the person of Jesus Christ. You should be rooted in Him. And that brings us back to the purpose of this letter, the reason why Paul and Timothy even wrote this letter. Remember, there was some false teaching going on in this church that you had to 
you had to be a part of a certain group, that there was this secret hidden message and only a certain few people could know about it. This gospel was only for a select group of people. And, and Paul and Timothy are saying, no way. Like that's hogwash. Like that is not true. That is not true at all. The gospel is for everyone. Man, woman, child, every ethnicity. The Bible, or the gospel rather, is for everyone. And here we're going to see the third encouragement from the Apostle Paul and Timothy. And I'm going to put it this way. Okay, when you step across that line of faith, you need to resist thems. You're like, man, what are you talking about? This is from youth camp, okay? When the students were at Glorietta at youth camp, the speaker was talking about thems. And he told the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Maybe you've heard about those guys, maybe you haven't. But it's a story in the Old Testament about three young men who were captive in a country. They were slaves in a country. And the king, his name was Nebuchadnezzar, he made this big statue, this idol, and he made a law that everyone had to come and bow down and worship this idol. So if you can imagine, these three high school-aged young men are standing in seas of people, masses of people. And, you know, we've seen images on TV where there's people all bowing down in in a certain direction. Just picture that. There's masses of people bowing down to this idol. But right in the middle of them, there's these three young men standing up in defiance to this law from the king to worship this idol. Man, can you imagine the pressure? Can you imagine the peer pressure? Now what happened, and I forgot to tell you, is that if you didn't bow down to this idol, King Nebuchadnezzar had built this this furnace, okay, this fiery furnace, and if you didn't bow down, you were um, executed. You were thrown into this fiery furnace where you would burn alive. So not only is there pressure from everyone else bowing, but you also have the pressure of death. You have the pressure of being burnt in a fire. And they stood in defiance. They resisted them. And so the speaker at camp, he went on to say, who are the thems in your life? Like what peer pressure are you facing in in middle school and in high school? What peer pressure are you facing at work with your coworkers or with the wrong kind of influences? Who are the thems in your life? What kind of uh, pressures are you facing? Who, who's the thems? Is it, is it substance abuse? Is it pornography? Is it alcoholism? It, what, what is the them that is pressuring you? And you this morning need to decide, I'm going to stand in defiance of them. I'm going to stand in faith that God is going to rescue me. And the story goes on. You need to read this story for yourself. But the story goes on. The king sees these three young men in this this sea of people standing. It angers him. He has his soldiers go and and bring them to him. And they end up getting thrown into the fiery furnace. What happens is, is when they go into the fiery furnace, the king looks down into the furnace and he sees not three young men, but now he sees four. And he says the fourth looks like the angel of God. What happened is God delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He rescued them from this fire. And the Scriptures teach us that when they came out of the fire, their hair, their their clothes didn't even smell like smoke. I mean, they were fully delivered, fully rescued, because they had faith in God, and they stood and they resisted them. 
Resist thems. You see, when you cross the line of faith, mark my words, you are going to have them, whoever them is, you're going to have them try to derail you. They're going to try to knock you off. They're going to try to steal the faith that God has given you. They're going to try to wreck your faith. And Paul and Timothy say it this way. Look at verse 8. Don't let them, okay? Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. Resist them. Resist them. Don't let them. Remember, we shouldn't add anything to, we shouldn't take anything away from the simplicity of Jesus Christ. It's all about Christ. And remember, the problem of this day was, was people were, were coming with this, they, they were wrestling with this crazy idea that there was some secret knowledge. There was some new mystery. And man, if you were in our group, we would let you in on this secret knowledge, this secret mystery. And Paul says, no, we all have access to the fullness of who God is in the person of Jesus Christ. And that is the same for every one of us. It doesn't come because we have some secret code to the door. It comes because Christ is the fullness of God. And when we have Jesus, we have the fullness of God in us. Like We need to understand this, church. When we have Christ, we have the fullness of God. But there's always going to be someone There's always going to be someone that says, yeah, but. Man, that sounds good. That's cool. But. Yeah, but. I mean, have you heard about this guy? Have you you read this book? Or have you watched this video? Or have you been to this place that unlocks this new mystery and this deeper understanding? There's always going to be someone that is trying to derail you from the simplicity of Jesus Christ. And here's what we need to do to make sure that it always comes back to the foundation of Christ. When when it comes to the newest thing or the newest idea, and please hear me on this, as Christians, we should always be learning, always be growing. But when it comes to the newest thing or the newest idea, we have to ask ourselves, is that idea, is that new thing, is it firmly planted firmly rooted on the person of Jesus Christ. It has to be all about Jesus. And that's how we make sure that our foundation stays strong. It's how we make sure that we don't end up in the same boat as the people in Colossae. That they were starting to stray. They were starting to get off track. And Paul and Timothy are trying to bring them back to make sure their focus is on Christ. The fourth encouragement is this that we're going to see. You have all you need in Jesus Christ. Once again, sometimes people, they they step over that line of faith, but they don't live in the fullness of God. They don't live in the fullness of Christ and they feel deficient. They, They don't feel like they have everything they need and they walk out this new faith in fear. They They're very timid. They're scared to step out in faith. And they don't understand that they have everything they need in Jesus Christ. Listen to, what, to the way Paul writes it. Verse 9. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God 
in a human body. There's some people out there that they don't believe Jesus is God. They believe He's just another good teacher. But could it not get any more clear than that right there? For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. Jesus was God. He is God. He will continue to be God. Jesus isn't just a part of God. Jesus is God in a human body. All the fullness of God. All the fullness of the deity. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. All residing in Jesus Christ. But listen to the next part. Verse 10. This is is mind-blowing right here. This is so crazy. Verse 10. So you also are complete. Or in other words, you also have been given this fullness of God. This is is so hard for us to fathom. But as a follower of Jesus Christ, when Jesus indwells you through the Holy Spirit, you have the fullness of God in you. Every part of Him. The fullness of God resides in you. So you also are complete through your union with Christ who is the head over every ruler and authority. That means you and I have everything we need in Christ to do everything God has called us to do. You're not deficient. You're not short. You're not, you're not like a beggar you know, just hoping for scraps to fall off the table of heaven. You have everything you need to do everything that God has called you to do. We're not just, you know, I've, I've heard this and I need to be careful because it's partly true. But I've heard a lot of people say, man, I'm, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And that's true, but when you cross that line of faith, you are now a sinner who has been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And you have the fullness of God in you. And so I want to encourage you this morning to live out your faith with boldness, with courage, with great hope, because you have everything you need in Christ. You're not, you're not a beggar. You're not second class in the kingdom of heaven. You are a son or a daughter of the Almighty God. You have everything you need to live out this newfound faith in Jesus Christ. You see, God doesn't want you to start your day feeling like you're at the back of the line. Like, man, God has a lot of other people to deal with, and so I need to wait my turn. No. He wants you to know that you have access to the fullness of God through Christ, and I have access to that power source right now. Right now. And He gives us a picture of that. You might say, what is this power source? Or what could I compare it to, Justin? And Paul answers that question. He says it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. That power is living inside of you through Jesus Christ. So when you put your faith in Jesus, the old you has passed away and the brand new you is brought to life. You see, when Christ went into the grave, you went into the grave with Him. All the power that was over you went into the grave. All all of your old life went into the grave. But when He came out of the grave that same power that brought Him out of the grave raised us up as well. So we have access today to that supernatural power, to that supernatural life. And it's, it's not some secret code that you need to open the door. 
It's through the person of Jesus Christ. So what that means is that today, you should stop living in shame of your past. You don't have to live there anymore. That old person, that old past is dead. It's been buried. You shouldn't live another second with guilt or shame. It's been buried. It's been dealt with. And that's the last encouragement that Paul and Timothy gives us this morning. And that is, it is finished. It's done. You don't have to do anything more to earn the favor of God. It's through Jesus Christ and that's it. It's finished. It's done. You don't have to travel to a certain country or go to a certain temple. There's not something you have to do every year to earn God's favor. It's finished through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. He's going to lead us to the grand conclusion of this story. And I, I want to read verses 13 through 15. And I'm just praying that somehow through the reading of His Word, He's going to give every one of us the ability to say, I agree with that. Paul says it like this. Look at verses 13 through 15. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature, because you're human. You were born with a sinful nature. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for He forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and He took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by His victory over them on the cross. Wow! That is some, that's some incredible verses right there. That means that God took everything written against you. Okay? The enemy is very good at pointing a finger of blame. The Scripture says that the enemy is the accuser. Have you ever just heard or felt that little voice in your head that just says, man, you're not good enough. You can't do that. You're not worthy. You, you can't, you can't, you can't. Just accusing you. you. You remember what you did. You remember what you said. And just accusing you of everything. Those are the things written against us. Those are the accusations. It's like the enemy had you surrounded and they had their weapons drawn and you had no hope. And what Paul and Timothy is telling us is that Jesus disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities and He shamed them publicly by His victory over them on the cross. You see, He took all the things that you have done wrong, all the things that you're going to do wrong, and He nailed them on the cross. He paid for them. It is finished. When Jesus was hanging there and He cried out, it is finished. That's what was happening. He was paying the price. He was paying the debt. He was paying your penalty. He was hanging on the cross in your place. You deserved to be on the cross. I deserved to be on the cross. But Jesus took our place and He paid the price so that we could be set free. Christ came because He has the power to bring us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. That's why He came. He had the power he was sinless. He was perfect. He was the sacrifice that was sufficient to the wrath of God. And our response should be, I agree with that. I agree. I believe. 
It's finished, church. It's finished. You don't have to live in shame. You don't have to live in guilt. It's done. It's been paid for. Through Christ, you can truly live in freedom. So this morning, here in just a moment, we're going to watch a a video of camp. Um, Our high school students, middle school and high school, they went to Glorieta, New Mexico, went to camp. You're going to hear some stories from them. We had four uh, young people that crossed over the line of faith that asked God to be the boss of their life. We're going to celebrate with a, a few of those students that get baptized this morning. But I just want to encourage you, just as you accepted Christ by grace through faith, continue to follow Him the same way. Okay, It's not in your own strength. It's only by grace through faith. I also want to encourage you to to plant your roots deep in Him. How do we do that? By spending time in His Word, by being around God's people. Man, spend time with Him. Plant your roots deeply. I want to encourage you to resist thems. Those things that are trying to pull you away from the things of God, resist them. Stand in defiance. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Stand in defiance of them and follow Jesus Christ. And then lastly... Remember that everything you need, you have everything you need. You are fully capable. You are fully prepared to do everything that God has called you to do. You have everything you need in Jesus Christ. The fullness of God indwells you. Let's watch this camp video this morning. It's about seven minutes long. I think you're going to be encouraged by it. Check this out. will be when we win the Red Cup. Free time, the snack track, and chapel. The water, and the food. Find times of friends. Oh, the people who will come to Jesus for the first time.
front of you. Help me. We're almost there. Your hands are in my mouth. Oh, talked to my heart and told me that, you know, you're not fully committed to my calling and you need to be all in on it. And so I decided that night that I was going to be all in on it. I was baptized when I was seven and um, I didn't really know what baptizing meant and I didn't know, like, I didn't know about, like, the faith, your faith in Jesus and stuff. And then after coming to this youth group, I started learning more about Jesus and more about how much he loves us. And, and then I didn't necessarily want to come to this in a church um, camp, but my mom, my mom was like, it would be a good experience for you. So I went, and every day, like, every day during, like, rides and um, worship and stuff, I cried and I just felt God laying on my heart saying, like, you're not really connected to me and I want you to be. And so, I decided to give all my faith in Jesus. Well, hearing all the other testimonies about being, like, a fake, like, doing what God wants me to do, but not believing in Him, Chris, he said that that was the same thing with him. And so I thought, Chris is perfect for it. Like, it's perfect to go straight to him because he's he's been through it. Uh, I invited Maddox Whirl and um, thought this could really speak to him. I'm really hoping that Maddox does come to Jesus this week. thinking about it at a rise this morning during when Isaac and the band was singing about uh, the slavery part of her. It was like You as a church, Grace Church, should be very proud of what happened here this week. Um, not because of anything that we did as leaders, but um, that God 
rose up and the Holy Spirit moved in these kids this week. Um, we left with a group of individuals and uh, we came back with a great students ministry united. Um, these kids not only are coming back on fire, um, but they're coming back with a heart of surrender, which is something that we prayed for before we got here. Um, and it has totally exceeded our expectations. And I just want to take a minute to thank you guys for the prayer support, the financial support, um, and the willingness to let us have your kids for a week um, and get to pour into them. Um, what I'm asking of you guys over the, the course of the next few months is to help these kids keep that light shining. Um, support them, hug on them, love on them, um, and ask them how they're doing. Um, not just how did they love camp, but how are they doing um, in life, in school, how's it going with their friends, their families, all this type of stuff, and support them. So we thank you. Um, we love you. Um, love Grace Church. And I want to let each and every one of you know that your investment, whether it was financial or whether it was a prayer investment, that every one of them um, really was an investment in eternity. And so as the youth staff was preparing for the week of camp, the, the, the days and the weeks leading up to camp, I mean, we had, we had extended times of conversations as a volunteer team, as a staff, to talk about what we were hoping that God would accomplish through the lives of kids at camp and through this week of camp. And so we were talking and praying about wanting to see kids that had shared experiences together, to see this group really come together for the first time, that we would come back more united as followers of Jesus, and also that leaders would emerge and that we would see students make spiritual decisions. Ultimately, we wanted to see kids come to Christ, and we wanted to see them make decisions to go public with their faith in Jesus. And so um, as the youth pastor, throughout the five days of camp, I got a chance to just kind of sit back and watch and observe, knowing what we had been praying that God would accomplish in these kids' lives. I got to sit back and kind of watch God go to work. And so I made some observations throughout the week, and I was typing them out on my phone. And I wanted to share some observations with you this morning, if I could, that that I was seeing that, that you didn't necessarily see up here on the video. And so I thought it would be good for you guys to be able to see some of the things that I saw that God um, accomplished and how he was answering prayers. And so the first thing that I saw was that new friendships were formed between teenagers um, and the common bond was Jesus Christ. Um, I thought that was really awesome. We saw students that worshiped uninhibited and expressed their affection for God um, in a setting where they were raising their hands. We saw students going up to the front, right in front of the stage, just worshiping completely freely, not worrying about what anybody else around them thought. Um, man, Ezra, Ezra LaFrance, I call him LaFrenchy down here. Uh, he's one of my buddies, but he's a seventh grader, and he taught me how to worship this week. 
He taught me so much about worship through those, through those worship opportunities that I actually asked if I could sit by him during the worship time because I wanted to learn from him. And what I said to the first service, and I know that I hope you understand my heart, the kid can't sing a note, but he sure knows how to worship. And it was awesome. It was really awesome. And so, yeah. Um, so, Ezra, you know I'm kidding, right? You know I'm kidding. Okay. So, anyways, I saw kids compete in the rec games in the rec time i saw them strive together and fight together for victory we saw some of our guys that took first place in a couple of the days worth of games and to see them come together and make those memories together is just something that you can't duplicate throughout the year i saw students um high schoolers lead their peers in bible studies for the very first time ever we saw leaders emerge in our group and the thing that we're praying for now is that spiritual leaders will begin to emerge um, with Grace Student Ministries. I saw the inside of the Santa Fe emergency room. Um, had to take a kid to the emergency room. We saw kids risk, um, we saw them risk vulnerability by talking about, on the very last night of camp, talking about the thems that they need to leave behind, the distractions that keep them from Jesus when they come home from camp. What were those thems? And a, a, a lot of them shared the, the thems in their life that they needed to leave behind. We saw multiple teenagers lick the head of, uh, of a counselor. You saw that on the video. That was a first for me, by the way. Um, Saw a handful of teenagers experience Chick-fil-A for the very first time. Um, some of you parents should be ashamed of yourselves that, that Chick-fil-A is not a part of your child's discipleship. I mean, it's Christian chicken, and some of these kids had never had it before. So, anyways, we saw that. Um, man, I saw a simple mud pit unite kids together and bond them together in ways that you can never understand unless you saw it firsthand. And that was really quite an experience. Um, I saw kids that heard from God and respond with full surrender and obedience to the word of God in their lives and his conviction. And most importantly, we saw four students cross over that line of faith that Justin was talking about. And that, Grace Church, is something we're celebrating. So let's give God a round of applause. So what we did was in the first service this morning, we had all of those students. We actually had four students that got baptized. One of them got baptized last week in the river, but we baptized three of those teenagers this morning. And because we didn't want to baptize them twice, we filmed the video of it this morning. And so we're going to show that to you. Hopefully the video comes across well, but we want you guys to celebrate in their baptism. Just because you didn't see it live doesn't mean you can't celebrate along with them and encourage them. So take a couple minutes and let's watch this video of these kids getting baptized. Yeah. So Justin, I'm going to let you lead the way. Cody, have you uh, made the decision to follow Jesus Christ? Do you believe that Jesus died, was buried, came back to life? And are you committing to live your life the rest of your days for his glory? I don't know. It's awesome. All right, Cody, upon your profession of faith, I baptize you, my son and my brother in Christ, in the name of the Father and the Son Buried in the likeness of Christ's death, praise
Cook, man, uh, he, he and I connected pretty well at camp this year. He had a moment where he pulled me aside. And he was just like, Chris, we just need to have a long, extended conversation. And he basically told me his story. He said, Chris, I need to give my life to Jesus, and I need to make this mine. I need to own it. And so he crossed that line of faith at camp this week on the second or third night. So I'm super proud of Eli. So Eli, um, go ahead and give me your hand. Give your dad your other hand. Have you, uh, have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you decided to follow him the rest of your days? you believe that he is was the son of God, died on the cross, was buried and rose again? Amen. Based on your profession of faith, your dad and I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of his death. I just want to say one last time, thank you so much for how you've invested in the next generation. I know a lot of you guys, you, maybe you bought a ticket to Little Big Shots and you supported kids going to camp. Maybe you overpaid or way overpaid for a dessert. Maybe you helped give a scholarship to a kid so that he could go to camp or she could go to camp. I just want to say that your investment, and maybe you didn't give any money, but you prayed for students. Your investment has eternal consequences. And you guys, I've been to a lot of camps over the years. I've been to dozens of them, and this is by far one of my probably top three camps that I've been to. And so I'm so excited for what God has accomplished. And let's just give God one more round of applause, a celebration. And before we leave you this, this afternoon, we have one more thing that we want to do. We want to celebrate a couple more young ladies that are going to go public with their faith um, as a result of G-Kids Camp. So I'm going to bring out the Hawthorne girls, and Pastor Justin's going to come up, and Dad's going to come up, and Justin, I'm going to let you take it away.
made the decision to follow Jesus Christ with their life. And this morning, they're going to get baptized, and their dad's going to help baptize them. So, uh, Emily, you want to go first? Okay, come on in. If you want to give your dad this hand, and give me this hand. There you go. Awesome. All right, Emily, have you uh, made the decision to follow Jesus? And uh, do you believe that Jesus lived and died and came back to life? Are you committing to live the rest of your days for His glory? Awesome. All right. Emily, upon your profession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Woohoo! That's awesome. Congratulations. That's awesome. We're going to get a picture with you. Okay? decision to follow Jesus? Awesome. Do you uh, believe that Jesus lived, that he died, and that he came back to life? And are you making the decision to follow him the rest of your life? Awesome. Upon your profession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Woo! Awesome. Congratulations. Get a picture, okay? That's awesome. Watch your step. There's a tally for you. Awesome. At this time, I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Keith. He has a couple closing announcements.